continuing in our trip to Corinth this morning. Our scripture comes from 2 Corinthians, the 5th chapter, verses 14 through 17. For the love of Christ urges us on, because we are convinced that one has died for all. Therefore, all have died. And he who died for all, so that all who live might live no longer for themselves, but for him who died and was raised for them. From now on, therefore, we regard no one from a human point of view. Oh, once we did regard those from a human, people from a human point of view. But no longer, now that we know Christ. So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everyone and everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. That is God's word for us this morning. Well, over the uh, last couple weeks, it seems like if you wanted to watch private, Saving Private Ryan, you could do that. It seems like it's been on TV virtually every night of the week. Uh, I saw it when it first came out years ago. If you're not familiar with the movie, there is uh, a mission that's given to several men. It's given by the War Department in, in Washington, who has, uh, the War Department has discovered that one family, the family of uh, James Ryan, that that family has lost uh, every sibling in the family except for Private Ryan. And it's determined that the mom uh, in this family should suffer no longer and certainly should not suffer the loss of her only surviving son. So orders are given to save Private Ryan. This is after D-Day. Uh, Troops are already advancing into the interior of France and and toward Germany. And the mission for this group of men that is assigned the task of saving Private Ryan is to go to find him and to bring him to safe areas so that he can be transported back home. In the process, all of them lose their life. And in the scene that we're going to show you, Captain Miller, with his dying breath, his last breaths, says these words to Private James Ryan. Earn this. 
Well, that ending has always bothered me. It's, it's always troubled me. Because how do you earn something like that? How can you possibly earn that? You can give thanks and be thankful and be grateful. But how do you earn that? How do you earn it? Well, Paul reminds the church in Corinth of the same thing. That Christ has died for all. And don't deceive yourselves by thinking that you somehow earned that. That somehow you were able to uh, achieve this, this level of goodness that allowed you to say, you know, of course he died for me. I deserve it. I earned that. What Paul reminds the church of is this, that Jesus died for all. For everyone. Not just a few folks. Not those that that think they've earned it, but for everyone. And that can't be earned. People have value, Paul reminds the church, people have value because Christ died for all. No exceptions. We can have disputes about the meaning of Jesus' work on the cross, different interpretations of of how Jesus saves us. But the one thing that is not in dispute is that Jesus died for everyone, for the sake of everyone. No exceptions. Jesus died for all. And all means all. So the people that that we don't want to serve pizza or bake wedding cakes for. Because we don't like their gender orientation. The people that we want to shoot because we don't like the color of their skin or we're afraid because of the color of their skin. The people we have determined are our enemies because of their religious beliefs. People with different political views, like Republicans, or Democrats, or Libertarians, smart aleck kids, grumpy old adults, yuppies, nerds, people, people, people. Now don't ask me why Jesus would do something like that. I mean, the the Bible kind of asks the same question. and Paul deals with that in his letter to the Romans. Uh, He says, after all, we know that that some people would lay down their life for their family or for a friend or for their country. Uh, Some people would do that for a righteous cause, or a righteous person. Some would. But Paul reminds us that Jesus didn't just 
do that, lay down his life for, for good folks, for good cause, for a good cause. Jesus laid down his life for all, for everyone, all of us, with no exception. And we can't earn it. And more than that, how in the world, why, why would Jesus do something like that? Lay down his life for everybody. I wouldn't do that. Would you do that? Lay down your life for, for somebody that you've already determined is, is not really worth living? Somebody that you've already determined is a, a bad person? Who would want to do something like that? Don't ask me that question. I don't know why Jesus would do that. But, but wait a minute. If I think about it, and remember something that I read in the Bible, like John 3.16... God so loved, God so loved the world, everybody, everybody, that he gave his son. God so loved the world that he gave his son. So, Paul reminds us that that we're all under renovation, under creation. For the love of Christ urges us on. Because Christ has changed us. So we don't, we don't view anybody from a human point of view anymore. We're, be, we're past that, hopefully. We're looking at people through Christ's eyes. You know, that's Jesus who died for everybody, for all people. We don't regard anybody from a human point of view. We regard them from Christ's point of view. So, if anybody's in Christ, anybody's looking with those kind of eyes, you're being renovated. You're under renovation. You're a new creation in Christ. Got a new way of looking at things. Got a new way of trying to understand things. The love of Christ urges us on. I was in a retreat uh, several years ago. It was a great banquet retreat. As I was sitting at the table with a man, and he was sharing some of his experience growing up and talking about the church. And he said, I lived in a small town, and my family was not well thought of. My family had a bad reputation. 
And we didn't go to church. And I can remember in that small town, the church, or at least the church that I walked by almost every day, that was the biggest building in the city, in the town. Impressive, beautiful. And I walked by that as a little boy every day. And I wonder, I wonder what's on the inside. I wonder what they do in there. I wonder what it's all about. And he said, but it never went in. Because I didn't feel worthy. So I just, I just go away. Now, that young boy didn't get that message from God. God who so loved the world that he gave his son. God didn't get that message from Jesus, the Christ who died for all. That message in some way or another came to him through the church. The church that's supposed to convey grace. The church that's supposed to convey God's love through Christ for everyone. With no exceptions. Church that realizes you can't earn it. You can say thanks. You can fall on down on your knees and give praise to God, but you can't earn it. Fred Craddock, noted disciple preacher, said this uh, about an experience that he had in a seminar that he was asked to preach uh, some years ago. Of course, Fred Craddock uh, was was one of the uh, the great preachers, literally in the world, and one of the great teachers of preaching. And he went to this seminar, and he was asked by the leaders of the seminar, Fred, would would you mind staying over? The seminar ended on Saturday morning. Would you mind staying over till Sunday? We can get the plane tickets cheaper. If you'll just stay an extra day, would you mind doing that? That would help us out on the budget. And Fred, of course, said, sure, I'll do that. So that morning when he got up, he asked uh, the hotel, at the hotel desk, were there any churches close by? The flight wasn't until later in the day, sometime in the evening. Asked a uh, church close by, and the, and the person at the desk said, uh, yeah, there's one down the street, about four blocks and you can walk down there, and uh, I know they'll, they'll uh, welcome you. So Craddock went down there. It was a little church, very small. I only seated about 100 people. Fred said he was early. He walked in. He uh, looked around and saw, thought, well, there probably won't be very many people here today. But about the time the service was supposed to start, the sanctuary filled. And as the service began... The pastor walked down the aisle toward the chancel area. And Fred, when he turned around and looked at the guy, he said, the first thing that struck me, he said, was how tall the guy was. Six, five, big man, 300 pounds, six, five. If you know uh, Fred Craddock, know anything about him, Fred Craddock is, was five, five. And Fred Craddock said he looked at that guy and he said, six, five, 300 pound guy. And he said, first thing I had to do was forgive him for being so tall. 
And then he noticed as the guy came down the aisle that he was struggling, that he was stumbling, that he was having a hard time taking steps. Then he noticed his leg was misshapen. And then he noticed that the man clearly had a problem with his vision. Uh, eyes slightly clouded over, uh, glasses that were very thick, clearly was having a difficult time seeing. And then as he looked even closer, noticed that the man's features and his head were, were misshapen. That he obviously had some, some severe physical challenges. And as the man came forward, Fred said the sermon was okay. But he said what, what he experienced, what he, what he felt, what he saw was the connection that this man, uh, the warmth of this man, the love of this man, and the connection that he had with his church. So at the end of the service, the fellow stood by the doors, just as, as most pastors do, and greeted people as they left. Fred said he was trying to figure out, what is it about this guy? What is it that, that attracts people to him? What is it that, that about him that exudes this warmth and this love and this, this beauty? And so Fred went back with the intention of asking the guy to go to lunch. He wanted to talk to him some more. Guy wasn't able to go to lunch, had other plans, but uh, Fred hung around so he could talk to him a little bit after everybody had left. And as the guy was greeting people as they were leaving, one woman, older lady, went up to him and, and, and said these words to him. I wish I had known your mother. And Fred thought to himself, she's trying to figure out the same thing that I'm trying to figure out. Where did this guy get this? And then as the uh, building cleared, everybody was out the door. Fred walked up to the pastor. Because the pastor had answered the, the woman's uh, remark, I wish I'd met your mother. He said this to her. He said, my mother's name is Grace. And so Fred walked up to him after this and asked him, he said, I, I heard the woman ask you or, or, or remark to you, I'd like to, I wish I'd known your mother. And I thought that your, your answer was odd. All you said to her was, my mother's name is Grace. And, and he said, I'm puzzled by that. The guy said, oh, really? Well, well let me tell you. When I was born, my mother uh, put me up for adoption. Uh, I, was I was misformed. There, there was nothing beautiful about me as a baby. So I went into the adoption system. And, and because there was nothing beautiful about me, I didn't ever uh, get adopted. I went from foster home to foster home to foster home. When I got in my, my teen years, early teens, uh, kind of looking, searching for something, uh, I noticed uh, on a Sunday, I noticed a bunch of kids going into a church, and I thought, well, what the heck, they're around my age, I'll go in there. And he said, that's where I, I met my mom. He said, my mother's name is Grace. That's what the church, the 
church in Corinth, a church right here in Lafayette, Indiana, is called to be a place of grace, a place that loves everybody because Christ died for everybody, for all. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for grace, and we thank you for good reminders that that Scripture gives us about becoming new creations, transformed people in Christ, looking at other people not from a human point of view, but from Christ's point of view. So, Lord, we pray this morning... Help us own that. Help us be that. Help us live that. In Jesus' name, amen.